0: I didn't quite have the Isaiah study ready, so I figured we'd go with this one. This one is uh, something I pull out and look at anytime I'm feeling stubborn, and I need God to straighten me out, and so I feel like uh, after praying over this and asking God what He would have me uh, teach on tonight, this is the direction He'd have us go. First Samuel 15, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Verse number 23, this is a familiar story, Saul Uh, was commanded to go and wipe out the incestual, godless Amalekites whose uh, iniquity had been full. And so uh, he did not obey. And so Samuel comes and confronts him on it and his disobedience and his rebellion and his stubbornness. Look at verse 23. Samuel says to Saul, he says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. We're going to talk about stubbornness tonight. Stubbornness. Are you stubborn? There's a lot of people who are very stubborn. You say, oh, I'm not stubborn." stubborn. If you don't change easily, then you are stubborn. And I'm going to tell you right now, change is hard because stubbornness gets in the way. We're going to talk about this idea of overcoming stubbornness. Let's pray. Lord, help me tonight as I preach on a difficult topic, but Lord, a vital one, an important one. Lord, may we have malleable hearts that are not stubborn, but quick to change. Lord God, help us this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, I am the oldest of seven children, uh, five boys and two girls. I'm going to leave the brother's name out of this story uh, because I don't want to be unkind to that particular brother. I was talking to my dad uh, some years back and I asked him, I said, um, it seems that you did a good job of getting all of our sinful, stubborn wills broken to a place of obedience. And he said, I got all of you straightened out except one. And he listed that brother. He said, I never really quite did get his stubbornness in check. And I got to thinking about that and I said, yep, I remember a story from when this brother was four years old. Four years old. There was some corn on his plate. And my brother liked corn, but just determined that day he was not going to eat his corn. And so my, my father said to my brother, he said, boy, eat your corn. And he crossed his arms, and he slouched in his chair, and he stuck his bottom lip out, and he said, no. And my dad said, eat your corn. And he said, no. So my dad took him back to the bedroom, and he spanked him. And he's crying, and he puts him down in the chair. He says, eat your corn. And he cried for a bit. Then he sat up and said, no! And so he took him back to the bedroom. He spanked him again. Put him back in his chair. He cried for a bit. Once the tears started to dry up, my dad said, eat your corn. He said, no! I think he must have gotten five or six spankings in a row. He just refused to eat his corn. And I I don't know that um, he was going to eat it. I don't think he cared how many times he got his little rear end spanked. And so finally my dad looked at me and said, Boy, if you don't eat your corn, I'm going to have your mother make you another can. And we're going to sit here and do this until you eat what's on your plate and you eat the can that she's made. He ate his corn. Um, sometimes it's not about being um, stronger than the child. It's about being smarter than the child. But my dad said about that particular brother of mine, he said, I never really broke that stubbornness. Instead, I had to manage that all the way to his adulthood, and then I had to turn him over to the Lord. Now, I love all of my brothers. I've got a good relationship with my brothers, and this brother in particular. And let me tell you something about him. I don't think he's ever going to compromise on what he believes about the Bible. He is so stubborn, I don't think he's ever going to compromise what he believes about the Bible. And so, stubbornness can be a good thing. It can be a good thing. Um, But stubbornness can also be a very ugly thing. Now, how do you know whether or not you're stubborn? I'm going to help you know right now whether or not you are a person that struggles with stubbornness, okay? Here's some signs: you keep uh, uh, you keep at an idea or plan, or insist on making your point even when you know you're wrong. You know you're wrong, but you just won't relent because you're stubborn. You're stubborn. Um, you do something you want to do even if no one else wants to do it. All right? Everyone else around you no, uh we don't want to do that. No, we're going to do it. But but I don't want to do it. Well, we're going to do it anyway and you won't let it go. You're in a car going somewhere. Hey, let's stop and get something to eat. And you want to eat, you're driving the car uh, because you're stubborn and you don't want anybody driving you around. I mean, and uh, you you well, we're going to go eat here. No one else in the car wants to eat there except you, but you know what? That's where we're eating because I'm stubborn. Um, here's another sign you might be stubborn. When others present an idea, you tend to point out all the reasons why it won't work. You just point out all the reasons why it won't work. No, that won't work. That won't work. Uh, you visibly feel anger, frustration, and impatience when others try to persuade you of something that you don't agree with. You're quick to flare up. You're quick to get angry. You're quick to be frustrated. You get impatient. You don't want to hear it. Now listen to me tonight. Stubbornness hurts relationships. Stubbornness hurts relationships. It limits your relationships. It hurts you at home. It hurts you at work. Um, It hurts you when you're watching the news or when you're reading a book, especially a book that's supposed to help you. But even worse, stubbornness puts a ceiling on your spiritual growth. You cannot be a godly man or woman if you are stubborn, because you refuse to change even when you need to change or you're supposed to change. Stubbornness is a limiter of growth, especially spiritual growth. Stubbornness causes you to reject the Bible, especially when you're living your life in contrary to it. Now, at a very young age... I settled this in my mind that this book right here is going to be the authority in my life. The final authority in my life. All of the thou shalt I'm going to work to do, and all of the thou shalt nots I'm going to work not to do. In fact, beyond that, if this book even gives a suggestion on what would make my life better, I'm going to work hard to live that out. I don't want to just obey the letter of this book. I want to obey and follow the spirit. Spirit of this book because I trust that the author of this book knows me and loves me and wants what's best for me. And so as a result, I don't need to question it. I don't need to buck it. I don't need to push against it. I don't need to disobey it. I just need to get my heart and mind in line of it and follow it with all my heart because if I'll do that, then my joy can be full and my life can be happy. And uh, when you get to that place, it's a good day. Now, you say, well, Pastor Lejeune, do you live there every day? I do not live there every day. You know why? Because I've got a flesh that's stubborn and doesn't want to obey the Bible. Stubbornness not only causes us to reject the Bible, stubbornness causes us to reject the Holy Spirit as He works to change us. Did you know that your pastor cannot change you? Did you know that your boss cannot change you? Did you know that your parents cannot change you? Did you know that your spouse cannot change you? The only person who is able to change you is God. And He does that if you're saved by His Holy Spirit who indwells you. But when you're stubborn, the Holy Spirit cannot change you because you are stubborn! Stubbornness causes us not only to reject the Bible and reject the Holy Spirit. Stubbornness causes us to push away from the life group leader uh, that makes suggestions in that lesson on how to be a better person. Stubbornness causes us to shrug our shoulders at preaching or we nitpick the sermon to death until we don't get anything from it. I wish you all could see what I see from up here while I'm preaching. Every time I get up and preach, I have people who look at me and they're smiling and they're happy and they're nodding their head up and down. And then I have people who look like they hate my guts who sit out there every week. I mean it. I have to preach this every week. Then I have other people who look like they're bored of tears. Then I have other people who are like, he's using the wrong uh, language, the wrong grammar. Or you know what, he embellished that story. I remember when he told that illustration three years ago and he's added details and it's just written all over their face. Right, And I have to stand up here and preach to people who look like they don't even want to be here. All right, So what does that come from? That comes from stubbornness. I don't want to change. I came in here and I'm going to leave exactly the way I came in the door. Stubbornness. Stubbornness is a spiritual and relational disease that you must deal with. Are you stubborn? Now, don't answer that out loud, but I want you to think about that. If you have to get your way or you pitch a fit, then you are stubborn. If you disagree with your uh, parents or your spouse and you don't know how to disagree in a way that's nice, you are stubborn. And the Bible says that this is a sin. If you don't grow in the Lord when you hear of change that needs to come play, take place in your life, you are Stubborn. So, uh, I believe that Christians today must take a hard look inside of their heart and ask themselves if they are being stubborn in their spirit toward God. I believe that Christians have a duty to keep their hearts tender toward change as God's Word and other godly counselors point out areas in our lives that need to be made better. So we're going to look at four main thoughts this evening. I got Brother Joe these notes well after the bulletin was printed. And so uh, there will be no fill-in-the-blank outline, but you've got a whole blank side of that bulletin. And uh, I think we're going to have uh, the outline on the screen, Is Brother Joe's good like that. I got him this like an hour and a half before church, and he's got, got the slides ready to roll. He's amazing. So uh, feel free to write down the outline here, okay? Number one, notice a stubborn spirit. A stubborn spirit. Let's look at three biblical examples of men in the Bible who were stubborn. Pastor Lejeune, why didn't you pick any women in the Bible who were stubborn? Because there aren't any. All the women in the Bible are just tender-hearted, and, 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 and they, they weren't stubborn. And so, you know, men in the Bible, it, has it changed, guys? We're still stubborn, aren't we? Uh, We like to stick to our guns. I'm being semi-facetious here. But three men in the Bible who struggle with stubbornness. Let's, Let's look at these. Letter A, notice, Cain. Cain. He was headstrong about his salvation. He was headstrong about his salvation. Turn over to Genesis chapter number four. This will still be a Bible study. It'll just be a Bible study on stubbornness. So let's use our Bibles tonight. Genesis Chapter number four. Genesis chapter four. Uh we know that Adam and Eve ate the fruit in the Garden of Eden. They were kicked out of the garden. After that, uh living under the sin curse, they gave birth to a son named Cain, and then to another son named Abel. These were the first two children of Adam and Eve. And um, Abel loved the Lord. Cain loved himself. All right? And uh, here we find the first example of works-based salvation in the Bible. Look at verse 1. And Adam uh, knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So Abel was a shepherd, Cain was a Fruit and vegetable, farmer. Verse 3. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought the firstling of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had no respect. Look at uh, his. Look at how uh, Cain responds. And Cain was very wroth. And his countenance fell. So let me just lay out here for us really quick what happened. God had instructed, listen closely now, God had instructed Adam and Eve how exactly they were to bring an offering as to show the symbolism that one day Jesus would die on the cross or there would be a Messiah who would die on the cross and his blood would be shed for sins to be forgiven. The Lord had instructed Adam and Eve on this and Adam and Eve had raised their children taking a lamb, a spotless lamb that was first born and laying that lamb up on the altar and slaying that lamb up there on the altar as the sin would be uh, forgiven as that lamb was slain. And so uh, both Cain and Abel had been taught this. Cain and Abel become their own adult men and uh, Cain is uh, now a farmer and, and uh, Abel is taken to being a shepherd. And so Abel follows exactly the way he's taught by his parents who were taught by the Lord how to take that animal and lay that up on the offer, altar and sacrifice that for uh, a symbolism of his salvation. Cain, on the other hand, went and got the fruits and vegetables from the ground and put that up there on that altar. And instead, he's going to offer the work of his own hands. Now watch this. Uh, Abel is bringing an offering where he's trusting a coming Messiah to pay for his sin, Cain is offering an offering or giving an offering uh, that, sacri- uh, that that symbolizes the own labor of his hand, so we have faith based salvation versus works based salvation. The Lord accepted abel 's offering the Lord rejected cain 's offering, and what was cain 's response when his offering was rejected? The Bible says in verse five that his countenance. He was discouraged. He was disappointed. Verse 6, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? Why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. I will send a lamb right up to your doorstep, make it easy for you. Unto thee shall be uh, his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Speaking of Abel. So, God says to Cain, listen up now, God says to Cain, he says, this is easy, man. He says, go get the lamb and sacrifice the lamb and you and I will be on good terms. Now, was Cain going to follow what the Lord said? Nope, he was going to be stubborn. So, what does he do? Look at verse 8. Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. The Lord said unto Cain, where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? He, the Lord, said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. So what did Cain do? He didn't go get a lamb from his brother Abel and sacrifice that. Instead, he went and murdered his brother The first murder in the Bible takes place because the Lord rejected this works-based salvation. And instead of Cain coming under and saying, I'm going to submit my stubborn will when it comes to salvation and doing it the Lord's way, he raises up and he slays his brother out of jealousy, headstrong about his salvation. Listen to me. You can be stubborn with God about salvation. You're going to end up going to hell. You will Lose. There's one way to heaven, and it's by faith in Jesus Christ alone and what he did on the cross. Letter B. Saul, Saul, headstrong about his submissiveness. Headstrong about his submissiveness. He was made king over Israel, uh, but he forgot the king of kings was ultimately the king, the Lord God Jehovah, and he did not want to submit. To the King of Kings. Look with me at 1 Samuel 13 and look at verse number 7. Turn over there. 1 Samuel 13 and look at verse number 7. I'm going to begin reading because we've only got about 20 minutes here and I've got a lot of sermon left. You can catch up when you get there. And some of the Hebrews went over uh, Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was yet in Gilgal and all the people followed him trembling. And he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal and the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, bring hither a burnt offering to me and peace offerings And he offered the burnt offerings. And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offerings, behold, Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him, that he might salute him. And Samuel said, What hast thou done? And Saul said, Because I saw that the people were scattered from me and that thou camest not within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash therefore said I the Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal and I have not made supplication to the Lord I forced myself therefore I forced myself therefore and burnt offered a burnt offering and Samuel said to Saul thou hast done foolishly thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God which he commanded thee for now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon israel forever so what's going on in this passage all right samuel the prophet tells saul the king i want you to go down here uh, to gilgal and i want you to wait and i will come and offer a sacrifice to bless you before you go to war against the philistines i'll be here by this appointed day well the day came and samuel did not show up that morning and Samuel had not shown up by the afternoon. And the armies are beginning to scatter. His armies are beginning to scatter. And so what does Samuel do? He says, man, we have got to go to war. And we've got to get the sacrifice burned. And so he says, bring the sacrifice. I'll do it. Was that his place to do that? No. He had been given specific instructions by God's man not to do it. Did he submit? No, he did not submit. He did it his way. He did it how he wanted to do it. And then he made excuses for his behavior. Why? He did not want to submit. Now, you say, well, pastor, what's the big deal? He offered up an offering. Uh, what's the problem here? Here's the thing. Hear me out on this. It's not so much what he did. It was the fact that he was going to disobey God in order to do it. Now, I've told parents who have small children, when their child knocks the sippy cup off the end table onto the ground, and the parents say, pick up the sippy cup, and the child goes, no! And the parents, well, I'll just pick it up. Oh, no, 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 no. You don't pick up that sippy cup. You make that child pick up that sippy cup. And the parent, well, it's just that, what's the big deal? It's just a sippy cup. It's not about the cup. It's about the fact that that child is now training you to obey him. And that's not the order of things. The child obeys the parents, the parents should not obey the child. Now, watch this. The king. Saul was not going to get God to obey him. He needed to obey God. And Saul had a submissiveness problem. Saul was told, go there and wait until the prophet comes and don't do anything else. And when the prophet didn't come in the time he thought he should be there, he said, well, I'll take matters in my own hands. And too many people today... Behave that way. They're not submissive. They take authority from those in charge. Look at chapter 15. Chapter 15, verse 1. Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people. To be king over his people over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Israel go now go and smite amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not uh, but slay both man and woman infant and suckling ox and sheep Camel and ass, someone says, man, the Lord commanded genocide. And what people don't understand is that Amalek had already tried to hurt God's people on the way out and had tried to uh, uh, surprise attack them. And God said, listen, it's time for them to die because of this behavior. Look down at verse 10. Saul had been given specific orders. Did he follow them? Verse 10, "Uh, then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel saying, it repenteth me "...that I have set up Saul to be king, for he has turned back from following me, and hath not performed my commandments, and it grieved Samuel. He cried unto the Lord all night, and when Samuel rose up early to meet Saul in the morning it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up a place, and has gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. So first he disobeyed, now he's lying about it. And Samuel said, What meaneth then the bleeding of the sheep in mine ear, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep, and of the oxen, to the Lord thy God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. And so here we see that um, here we see that uh, uh, he's disobeying the Lord. He's disobeying the Lord. He's not willing to submit. God said, "Go in there and wipe everything out, animals included." And what did he do? He brought back the best of the animals to keep for himself. I'll do it, but I'll do it my way, and this is wrong. This is stubbornness. Let me give you another example, all right? Not only uh, headstrong about his submissiveness, notice letter C, Jonah headstrong because of spite. Turn over to Jonah chapter 3. Jonah chapter 3. So, we see Cain headstrong about his salvation, and uh, uh, Saul, King Saul, headstrong about uh, submissiveness. Jonah's headstrong because of spite. Look at Jonah 3 verse 10. The Bible says, and God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. Now, what is this about? You know the story of the uh, Ninevites. The Ninevites were evil people. History tells us that uh, Nineveh was in Assyria, uh, one of the large cities in Assyria, which is now, I believe, modern-day Iraq. And so, uh, there you have these Assyrians, and they were brutal. Listen, they would kill an Israelite, they would kill a Jew, they would skin them alive, by, kill them by skinning them alive, and then hang their skins on the outside of the wall of the city. You see, this animus going on between Israel and their neighbors has been going on for thousands of years. And just like the Jews don't like the Palestinians and the the Palestinians don't like the Jews, this was going on way, way back in Bible times. And God told Jonah, an Israelite, go preach to the Ninevites a sermon of repentance. And he said, I'm not going to do it. So much so he got in a boat going the wrong direction. And uh, he said... uh, Throw me overboard because of the storm. I'll just die. I'd rather die than preach. How bad do you have to hate somebody that you're willing to die instead of preach to them? That's rough. So he he gets thrown in the ocean. What happens? A giant fish, a great whale, swallows Jonah whole. And Jonah, he repents in the belly of that whale. And that whale spits him up on the land. You say, that doesn't sound believable. Listen, it's in the Bible... I wholeheartedly believe it. In fact, they have now found wells that can swallow a man whole in that part of the world. And so he spits them out, vomits them out on land. He travels a day's journey into the city of Assyria. And what does he preach? He preaches one of the shortest sermons in the Bible. Here's pretty much what he says. You are all going to die because of your wickedness. He doesn't say if you repent, God will spare you. He doesn't want God to spare them. So he preaches this short sermon and he goes out of town and he sits on top of a mountain outside of the city and waits for the fire of God to fall and destroy this city. And a gourd grows out of the ground to offer him shade. And uh, all of a sudden, the people in the city hear his sermon and they repent. They repent. They go and they tell the Lord they're sorry. They put on the, the, the clothing of repentance, a sackcloth. They put ash on their head. They cry out to God and fast. They say, Lord, we're sorry. Would you forgive us? And God spares His judgment on them. And do you think Jonah's excited about that? No! Jonah's waiting for the fire of God to fall out of heaven and burn this city the way he did Sodom and Gomorrah. Look at verse 1. But it displeased, chapter 4, verse 1, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. Why was he angry? Because God did not destroy the city. Uh, And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in the country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarsus, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me. It is better for me to die than to live." I'd rather die than sit here and watch that city not get burned. He was headstrong because he was filled with spite. And I don't know if you're stubborn tonight, if you're stubborn just out of spite, or if you're stubborn because you're not submissive to God or authority, or what your reason is, but stubbornness is a sin. Number two, we see number one, a stubborn spirit. Number two, notice, a stern warning. A stern warning. Go back to 1 Samuel chapter 15. We see what Samuel tells Saul in his stubbornness here. Samuel does not parse terms. Samuel is very direct with King Saul over his sin. He says in verse 23, "...for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as two things." iniquity and idolatry, because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Let me give you an A to B here. Letter A, notice, stubbornness is iniquity. It is iniquity. What is iniquity? Iniquity is gross injustice or wickedness. It is a violation of right or duty. It is a wicked act. It is... Sin. That is iniquity. When you are stubborn, you are committing the sin of iniquity. You are committing the sin of gross injustice or wickedness. When you dig in your heels and say, I will not submit to the authority of my life. I will not do it God's way. I will not follow God's order. I will not quit living in that sin. I will not do uh, this particular behavior. I know in the past the pastor pushes us to share the gospel. I know the pastor pushes us to give to the Lord. I know the pastor pushes us to get involved in the service of the church of ministries. But I will not do it because I am stubborn. What you're saying is I'm living in iniquity. But not only iniquity. Saul t- or Samuel tells Saul that stubbornness is as iniquity let letter B. Stubbornness is idolatry. Idolatry. Idolatry is the worship of idols, images, or anything made by hands or which is not a, a, or that which is not God. This is excessive attachment or veneration for anything or that which borders on adoration. Here Samuel is telling King Saul, "Saul, you're stubborn. God has sent me to tell you to do this one thing and you can't do it. Why?" Because you worship the desires of your heart more than you worship God. And so that brings me to this question. When you are stubborn and you're committing idolatry, what idol are you worshiping? The answer is you're worshiping the idol of yourself. You are your own God. And you know what? We have a term for that. It's called humanism. Humanism. I will worship myself before I will worship God. I will do what's what's comfortable and convenient for me before I will obey the Lord. Idolatry. Oh, you say, I'm a stubborn old cuss. I can't help it, I'm Irish. I can't help it, I'm Puerto Rican. I can't help it, I'm Italian. I can't help it. I'm filling the blank from where you're from. You know what? You can't help it because you are born under the Adamic sin curse. But you can help it if you if you'll if you'll submit to the Lord. Let number three. We see some serious consequences. So what happened to Cain? And what happened to Saul? And what happened to Jonah in their stubbornness? Letter A, we see Cain was disowned. Cain was disowned. Cain killed his brother Abel because he wouldn't just obey the Lord. And Cain ended up being disowned. Let me read for you Genesis 4, verse 12. The Lord told Cain, He said, When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee strength A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. He said, okay, you want to offer up your fruits and vegetables to me instead of a lamb? He said, you want to offer up the works of your hands and trust that the works of your hands are going to uh, take you to heaven and get your sins forgiven and you don't want to do it my way? You don't want to submit and obey? Instead, you want to be headstrong about salvation and kill your brother in the process? Fine. Anytime you till the ground and plant seed, you're not going to get anything. And on top of that, no one on planet Earth will have anything to do with you for the rest of your life. You will live on the run the rest of your. You want to be stubborn, Cain? Then go off and live by yourself. He was disowned. When you are stubborn, you put up a wall that limits intimacy with others in your life. Saul, or rather Cain, Cain, go ahead and be stubborn. Go ahead and do it your way. Go ahead and hold on and be the ultimate authority. Go ahead and rebel against the Lord. Go ahead and be stubborn. Go ahead and be disowned. How many children do not have a relationship with their mother and father because in their teen years, they were stubborn against mom and dad, and now there's a hurt and damaged relationship with their parents. How many brothers and sisters in their adult years can't have a relationship because there's pride and stubbornness in the way? How many, how many marriages break? How many marriages end up in divorce because of stubbornness and now there's a disowning of each other and a parting of ways? Stubbornness brings about a state of being disowned. Cain ended up disowned in his stubbornness. Let B. Saul was dethroned. Saul was dethroned. Go back with me to First Samuel fifteen after in verse twenty three he tells him that stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. He continues Saul said unto Samuel, "I have sinned, I have transgressed the commandments of the lord he 's going to try to talk his way out of this, and thy words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice now, therefore, I pray thee." pardon my sin. Turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. Samuel said unto Saul, the prophet said unto the king, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned about to go away, he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle and it rent. And Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than Thou and also the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. What happened? He was kicked out of office over this. This cost his children the opportunity to be king. Jonathan would never sit on the throne, Saul's son, and be king. His grandson would never be king. His great-grandson would never be king. In fact, Saul would die on the battlefield because of his stubbornness. God rejected him and he lost his position. I can't even begin to tell you how many dads have no authority in their child's life because they're so stubborn against God, they've lost any ability to tell their children what to do. I can't even begin to tell you how many moms have no authority at home with the children because the mom is so stubborn with her husband and won't lie down uh, and submit and follow the leadership that God has placed in her life of God and her husband. The children look at a wife who's uh, unsubmissive and stubborn against her husband and then the children turn around and are equally unsubmissive to their, their parents. You see, when we won't follow God's order, we bring about great pain. You say, well, pastor, that sounds very sexist. And I would say there's an order to everything. God made the husband to lead the home. He made the wife to uh, complete the husband and then to follow her husband. And the two of them together, they lead the children. But when the mom and dad can't get along because mom is constantly challenging dad, then the children learn that very order. And you know what? You dethrone yourself in your stubbornness. You want to be dethroned in the authority, God-given authority that you have? Then continue to be stubborn. Letter C. We see Jonah was depressed. Jonah was depressed. Without going back and reading Jonah chapter 4, verses 4 through 11, we see that Jonah is angry in his stubbornness. Jonah wants to die in his stubbornness. He literally says, I'd rather die than live I didn't get my way I'd rather die than live when you've lost that much hope you're depressed and you know what stubbornness does you dig in your heels and you won't change no matter what you're going to end up lost and alone and you're going to end up a, a very sad and angry and depressed person there's serious consequences When we behave in a way that's stubborn. But we'll end the sermon on a good note here. Number four, let's talk about a soft and tender heart. Now, who was this neighbor of Saul who would be the next king? Well, if you know your Bible at all, you know that that's David. Let's look at some verses here. Go to 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 7. Please do turn over there with me. 2 Samuel chapter 12. David is the youngest of many brothers and he's out in the field as a shepherd taking care of the sheep and uh, we know that um, uh, David was a man who would become king he would be the shepherd king look at 2nd Samuel 12 verse 7 and Nathan said to David thou art the man what had he done he had committed the sin of, of adultery and murder Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. Now, do you remember when Saul sinned? Do you remember when Samuel confronted Saul, how insincere and stubborn he was? Let's see how David responds when he's confronted with his sin. Look down at verse 13. David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. See, David, instead of being stubborn in his sin, he was repentant in his sin. He got on his face before the Lord and he confessed his sin. In fact, Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, David said this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David bowed his head and he said, Lord, I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. I sin. And you know what? Every one of us in here, we're just like David. We're capable of any sin at any time. The sermon tonight isn't about whether or not you sin. Because every one of us do it. Are you willing to own your sin and confess your sin and change as a result of that sin being confronted? David dropped his head when David Nathan confronted him and said, You're right, I'm wrong. I'm guilty. Then he said to the Lord, search my heart. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed this evening. Search me, O God, and know my heart. That should be our prayer tonight. I want to ask you, are you a stubborn person? Are you willing to actually... Be self-aware enough to see it and own it. Tonight, through the preaching and teaching of the Bible, I hope you see that there is serious consequences for those who are stubborn. Why don't you ask God right now where you're sitting to search your heart and show you any streak of stubbornness that's in you. Why don't you take a moment and confess it Ask God to show you over the next week or two where you're stubborn. Give permission to a parent or spouse or a loved one to be able to point it out in your life without you getting angry. Ask God to give you victory over that. Take a moment right where you're at and just ask God to help you.